So let me let me just introduce our, our speaker for today. This is Kenny Crosswhite right here. Just have a hand for him. Come on. Uh, Kenny is uh, no stranger to Geneva. He has uh, he's been here many times. Uh, spoken in chapel several times. <laughs> Earlier this fall, he spoke in chapel. Maybe some of you were students got a chance to hear him. Uh, he's done a number of things for our student men department in terms of uh, seminars and things like that. He's also taught uh, a couple of courses. He's been an adjunct uh, professor for us and teaching a couple of courses uh, over the course of the years as well. Um, He's a, a good friend of not only locally here, uh, not only of uh, Geneva, but also the Coalition for Christian Outreach, for which he has done quite a bit of teaching and uh, speaking for, and also Orchard Hill Church over in uh, the Wexford area, where he will be speaking this weekend, as a matter of fact, on tonight and tomorrow morning. Um, so uh, Kenny comes to us from uh, Columbia, South Carolina, uh, and uh, he, has, uh, he has many, many years of ministry experience, of which a great deal of that time was in student ministry experience, working in a number of different places in the South, both in mostly in Georgia and Florida, I suspect, right? Was that in <coughs> South Carolina, too? Yeah, they even gave you Trump South Carolina. I got fired from lots of places. <laughs> <laughs> he knows what he's talking about, too. So, uh, And uh, in most recent years, Kenny has been involved uh, th- uh, originally through a group called Motor Racing Outreach, and now through his own ministry of perception ministry with uh, uh, NASCAR and teams and drivers and the kind of entourage of people that tend to gather around that particular sport, which is, from what we understand, the biggest sport in the world, right? Most that's, attended that's sporting events in the world is what they say. Uh, this week's race is in Texas, Texas. right now, and Kenny's here. So uh, we're, we're glad to have him with us. And what we've asked him to do is you know from uh, the little uh, blurbs that you got is we asked him to talk to us about uh, the notion of when doubt derails uh, your ministry. You know, when uh, things aren't going perfectly. That's the, that's the point here. You know, what, what is it that you have to do? What is it you have to be reminded of? Who is it that you have to return to be? And what are those kind of things that uh, help you to deal with those moments where you're struggling with your own life, and you're struggling with what that means for the way that you're doing ministry. So uh, let's uh, let's pray before we start, and then we'll give Kenny the floor here. Right. Lord, we uh, we're thankful for the chance uh, to get together here, and uh, we're thankful for uh, your goodness and your graciousness. Uh, you coming to us and want to uh, daily convince us of how much you love us and care for us and want to use us in the in your plan for your kingdom. Uh, we're thankful, Lord, for the ways in which you've used faithful people in the past in our own lives uh, to, uh, to communicate your, uh, your love and your plan to us. And uh, we, we thank you for the ways in which you prepared Kenny to be here uh, today to share with us. I thank you for all these folks who are sitting here for the influence that they have and will have on hundreds and thousands of, uh, of adolescents and uh, kids' lives. Uh, and we pray, Lord, that you would do something here today in their life that would help better prepare them uh, to be faithful to you in the midst of that. Uh, we're just thankful for this chance to be together. We pray we have a great time here today. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his kingdom's sake. Amen. Kenny? Thank you. Hey, guys, it's, uh, it, it's always fun to be here. I'm, just, I'm sorry, Terry, you had to through all that uh, stuff. But we just like going to movies together. And so uh, uh, it is uh, 
uh, fun to talk about ministry. Uh, we raced in uh, Texas last night, and we're racing again tonight. And uh, the guys were asking me, that's the fastest track that we go to, uh, except we just had our a new test at the Michigan track, and the guys were turning uh, 221 miles an hour uh, down the straightaway, which is, uh, we're going to have to do something about that. And so, um, <laughs> only because they were testing, so there's only a handful of them on the track at once. When you get 43 guys on the track that are running, 215, 216, that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's where my job comes in, prayer warrior. And, uh, <laughs> so, but the guys were teasing me about why I would uh, leave the fastest track to come to uh, uh, Beaver Falls. And, uh, and, so, uh, and it's because I, I, I love what y'all do. I like this school. I certainly enjoy seeing people that I uh, have known through the years. They've been a tremendous encouragement to me. And, and hopefully I've encouraged them. And so um, I do racing ministry, not uh, not because I understood anything about racing when I got invited into that ministry, but uh, I, I like to talk to people about the Father. I like to talk to people about uh, knowing God. And, and for one reason or another, more people come to races than you could imagine uh, from all uh, areas of life. Uh, and, and so it gives me that chance. The guys enjoy watching me uh, talk to uh, people about God. They, the drivers don't all embrace a concept of there being a God or a personal relationship with them, but they like to watch the uh, conflict. Um, if, if, like if they call me over and say, uh, Pastor Kenny, come here, they're usually setting me up. We've talked about that before. Uh, not too long ago, yeah. Uh, one of the drivers hollered in the paddock where their RVs are parked. He said, hey, Pastor Kenny, come here. And I, so as I'm walking, I'm going, okay. This is, uh, and so as I, as I walked over, uh, around, I came around the corner and, and Lance Armstrong was there. And so the first thing out of this guy's mouth, he said, he said Lance, uh, this is our pastor. And he said, I think you all believe about God quite differently. Why don't you talk about it? That's what he said. <laughs> We talked for about an hour and a half, and it was a it was a wonderful time, and, and I would never get a chance to share. And, and Lance is not certainly any more valuable as a person than you are or I am, but he he does have a tremendous platform if God were to do something uh, in his life. So it's those sorts of things uh, that we've we've had a chance in the past to talk about. Uh, the time that one of the drivers called me to his hall, and he came out, and he said. Uh, he said, I'm about to give you your toughest assignment. And I, st- I started laughing and I said, you are my toughest assignment? <laughs> and he said, no, hell no. Wait till you get in here. And I started laughing and he said, now you promise you're going to talk about God. I'm going to talk about God just like you talked to me. And I said, absolutely. And he said, all right, when we go in the door, you're going to get right into a God conversation. I said, oh, all right, who's in here? The devil? You know? <laughs> and so you know, we opened the door and, and uh, Howard Stern was in there, which was pretty close to the devil. <laughs> and so we talked. It was, we, it, we got really involved. And the first thing I hit about, he says, uh, we're not like being taped or anything. Okay, but he said, oh, so you're the... Uh, you're the <laughs> you're the epic preacher, and I start I start like I said, well, I don't always describe myself that way, but <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, and so we talked for about 20 minutes, and uh, 
Um, and then the driver stopped. He said, this is too... Uh, he used a lot of bunches of words. But he said, this is too good. Let me go get some other people. <laughs> so we talked, and, and Adam Stern was very very uh, philosophical. Uh, enjoyed our time. Lance was wonderful. Uh, some some guys embrace it. Some guys um, cuss at you. You know, uh, when George Gillette uh, bought his team, we started spending time with each other, and, and uh, one morning he introduced me to Jim Ferrari, <laughs> and, and I started laughing. I said, well, Mr. Ferrari, what do you do for a living? And uh, he started laughing. He said, did you ask George Gillette what he does for a living? <laughs> and I started laughing. I said, no, but I started being funny. And so, how, how, how do you get that deal, get bored? As a, as a Ferrari company. But anyway, uh, you know, for us, uh, ministry is difficult. Um, I, I, I love youth ministry. In some ways, I feel like I'm, I'm still doing youth ministry. These guys act like adolescents. And, uh, and so uh, uh, I just involve being in, with people. But we get, we get discouraged, uh, I think. How many of you uh, have at least uh, seen discouragement? Okay. Uh, how many would be discouraged right now? Anybody? How many see it coming? Okay. All right. How many just got out of deep discouragement? Uh-huh. Okay. It just, it's just a part of what we do. We'll, we'll look at a couple of quotes uh, from uh, a couple of books, and, and then we'll, uh, we'll work our way towards uh, Philippians, which I always go there, but uh, uh, because it's, it's about joy. Um, you know, as you study Philippians, the, the main uh, point of, of those four short chapters is how do you how do you grasp a hold of the strength of the Lord and stay joyful in that? Um, you know, we call it Philippians, but we really could borrow from an Old Testament passage and and, uh, and and really call Philippians the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's that's what the title ought to be of that that book. If, if I were in charge of that, <laughs> which I'm not. Okay, but uh, um, you know, let's. Uh, I don't know if I, I can get this to work or not, but you know, I, I, we're not going. We're not going to make you sing uh, any songs necessarily. But let's. Uh, well, I might. Uh, this is a song. If I can get this to work, that uh, uh, Lady Annabelle made popular. But I like the start of this song.
know, I, you know, it's all it's always funny. I'll, I'll see my mother, you know, and we've talked about it before. My mother cracks me up, but she'll she'll spend the first 15 minutes when we're together telling me, you know, gosh, you're you're looking older. And I go, oh, hell, so are you. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, what, I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm old. <laughs> she goes, you know, you thought about cutting your hair. And I go, not until just now. <laughs> and then she'll say, oh, you know, you're, you're, you're gaining weight. <laughs> you know, and then I'll say something mean to her. <laughs> something obvious. You know, and then she'll always say, and right after she says something about gay weight, she'll say, I made your favorite cake. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder, I'm a mess. <laughs> okay, and so you got this stuff going on in your head all the time. Okay, and so what we've got to do is get back to uh, do you feel you're unique? And do you find a way to make a big deal out of God? in whatever you think your ministry is every day. Okay, but more likely than that, you know, we go in a different direction. This stuff song makes me laugh. I can get it to work. She comes to the races and she's funny. Look it up. It don't mean sneaking around behind my back like you ain't getting enough. How about forever? Just look it up. It means through thick and thin and pitching in, even when the time gets tough. The word is easy. Look it up. And you'll see a picture of that piece of trash right around in your feet. And so, um, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I, I, go to, I don't get to go to church a lot, but, but uh, sometimes I want to say to people in church, the word, the word is joy. I look it up. Okay? <laughs> uh, the, the word is forgiveness. Look, look it up. Okay? The, the word is, uh, you know, my value is found in Christ and nothing else. <laughs> look, look them all up. <laughs> okay, but but that happens. Okay, and when that happens, I think that we forget the ability to celebrate our uniqueness, and then we start falling in. There was a book written. Uh, I, I think fear begins to override us. There was a wonderful book written several years ago called Codependent No More. <coughs> and so in in that book. This is the, the quote. Quit hanging on to the guide rail and the handrails. Let go, surrender, and do it every day. So quit 
holding onto the handrails. Let go. Surrender. And let's take risk. Sociologists several years ago said that it's an interesting thing, but several years ago they said that children that have a tendency to spend the day on the playground or in social activities closer to their parents take more risk. There's, there's a sense of adventure with children that are playing closer to someone that they know loves them. We know, we know that that's true. There's securities and it's whatever word you want to use. But, but for us, I'm going, gosh, the closer we are to the Father, the more risk that we ought to be able to take in ministry. In why? Because He so adores us. But what happens as we do ministry, we become less and less risk oriented, I think. When doubt begins to sort of uh, come in through whichever self-talker you've got camped out in your head that day or in your heart, uh, we begin to look around and see what other people are doing that might be working. True or false? We, begin to, we, we take a safer route in our conversations. You know, we, we laughed about that Lance Armstrong, the movie Secretariat, had just come out uh, when, when I met him, Lance Armstrong. I love that movie. I like um, horses. I like, um, obviously, racing. And, uh, but I looked, at, I looked at Lance Armstrong and I said, have you seen the movie Secretariat? And he laughed. He said, as a matter of fact, I did. I said, you know, that the, the beginning, the woman, Diane Lane, that's the, the, the main actress in that movie, she quotes from the book of Job. At the, at the beginning of that movie. And he said, really? Why would you do that? And so we talked through the, the, the majestic power of a horse and that the horse, when it hears the trumpet, paws the ground and rushes into battle. And I said, did, did you also know this? Secretariat is a lot like you. And he laughed and he said, oh, come on, what do you mean? I, he said, you mean runs races? I said, no. Secretariat, when they did the autopsy on this horse, the horse's heart was enlarged by two, two times. Two times, the, and I said, in your heart, okay, is enlarged and processes oxygen differently than a normal person. And he, we started laughing, and I said, unlike Secretariat, though, Secretariat is listed on one of the top 100 athletes of all time. You didn't make that list. <laughs> He said, oh, come on. I said, look it up. <laughs> and so the, the drivers were sitting around laughing. And I, I said, and unlike Secretariat, when Secretariat hears the trumpet, he knows it means something. And you've ignored the trumpet. And your creator. That you were made special, unique for a reason. Now, um, if, if I'm concerned that everybody likes me, those are not conversations you have. It was funny, I left, I saw him about an hour later. Um, I was walking around, a bunch of people were taking their pictures with him and stuff, and I didn't know, I mean, it wasn't an adversarial thing, he was wonderful. It couldn't have been 
uh, nicer and, and uh, more involved in, in the conversation. And so I saw him, and, and I'm doing some other stuff, and he, and he said, Hey, Pastor! I started laughing. I turned around and I said, Yes. And he said, uh, Don't you want your picture with me? And I, I said, Absolutely. As an athlete, I could not have more respect for you. As a man that has chosen to do good things with your celebrity collateral, I couldn't have more respect for you. Uh, but I want you to hear the trumpet. He said, well, we'll talk about that later. Let's just take a picture. <laughs> I said, that, that'd be great for me. I'm telling you, on days that I'm consumed with doubt and despair, bring it up because everybody's talking about it. On, on the day that I feel like I'm playing Hunger Games, <laughs> okay, you know, there are a lot of things in that movie. Uh, <laughs> um, but there was, there was one phrase in there where uh, Sutherland makes the phrase about hope. He says, hope is the greatest of all emotions. And then he says this, hope is the only thing that can conquer fear. That was a great line in that movie. There's something about despair. Okay, there's something about mm, doubt that we lose a sense of the hope and we allow the fear and the despair and the doubt that, to sink in. True or false? I mean, we, I was teasing earlier, but I, I've had a chance to work at a lot of different churches and, and uh, but in, our, in the Presbytery, in the PCA, we have a phrase uh, that you can work outside the bounds. Okay, um, that's a perfect phrase for me. Okay, um, I, I like the church. I love the church. I like all the things that are going on there and the things that everybody's attempting. My calling is is sort of live outside the box. Okay, and so, um, but I've worked in churches with deacons and elders and church staff and I've had wonderful experiences and I've had not so wonderful experiences I've had ministries where I was stunned at the fruit uh, and then I've had ministries where I worked just as hard we were uh, we were standing at, at Bristol when the guys get introduced to race Bristol is an interesting track for us uh, there are about uh, 160,000 people in a, a, a racetrack that's about the size of a football field. Okay, and so it's our shortest track. It's a lot of temper. A lot everybody, everybody gets everybody. You, you hit each other. You know, in the cars, you ram each other. It's like it's like uh, derby. You know, racing. If you come out there without something torn up on your car, it's a miracle. And so we were lined up beforehand, and uh, I, I was I was laughing because. Um, AJ is a driver that has had a terrible year. A lot of things have torn up, and he qualified second for this race. Greg Biffle, everything's going right for him. And we're, we're standing there before they inter get introduced to television into the crowd, and, and AJ turns to Greg Biffle and says, Man, you're just having a great year, aren't you? My year stinks. 
and, and Biffle, we were sitting there, and Biffle said, well, he said, you know, I worked just as hard last year. I drove just as hard last year. This year, it's just a seasonal thing. The, the brakes are going my way. I, I'm not doing anything any different. And I, I said, well, if y'all will allow me to uh, interrupt this conversation, um, you, you are doing something different. Um, everybody on your team, your sponsors, your owner, your teammates all say you have a different attitude this year than you had last year. Came into the season with a different attitude. AJ assumed everything's going to go wrong. Whipple <coughs> has made a decision that he is going to behave and act as if everything is going right. Greg Biffle lives in hope. AJ lives in fear and doubt. And you have to ask yourselves the same questions. Okay, so that's a those are quotes that we we can sort of play around with. Okay, and, and think about in our lives. Now, um, I imagine that you're somewhere in between. You know, as I was doing ministry, it was funny. Uh, I went, I'll, I'll never forget, I was at a South Florida church. Some of you know this. We had hundreds of kids, had our own building. We were half a mile from the beach in Boca Raton, Florida. It was a great, our budget was staggering. Okay, we decided that we wanted a, a van and we wanted to paint it kind of, you know, Florida type looking thing. And so um, I just I just went to the store and bought a van. Okay, uh, it's, it's, it's great to have that kind of budget. Okay. Uh, I thought everybody got to do that kind of stuff. <laughs> That's the first church I've worked in. <laughs> I was going, I can do this forever. <laughs> okay, and so then this guy started calling me from a real traditional church in Georgia, a church where they wore robes and, uh, you know, were long way from the beach. And uh, he kept he kept calling and saying, we need you to come here. Uh, our youth ministry is, you know, blah, 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 yes, kind of so. My wife, uh, we, our son was born down in South Florida. Uh, my wife wanted to be closer to home. Uh, we're from a, a town about 20 miles from where this church was located. And, and I, I'm a, I forgot, you know, I'll never forget that I, over the phone, I said, listen, I'm not interested in this position. My wife is interested in this position. <laughs> I said, so it would be foolish for you to pay for me to come for an interview and all this kind of stuff. Next time we visit our families, I'll come by and talk to you. So when we drove by, we met together. I'll never, he looked at me and he said, listen, you're having a lot of fruit down in South Florida. And I said, um, it, it appears so. And uh, he said, uh, uh, but and, and he sort of challenged me, but he said, he said it better than this. I think he had a couple of Bible verses, but it was still a challenge. He said, anybody can do ministry in that setting. All the resources. South Florida. On the beach. You know, our, our youth group grew. Uh, I was running on the beach one morning, and Fair Fawcett was on the beach back when she was had that hot um, poster. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was jogging on the beach, and I said, "Hey, if you don't mind, I have a youth meeting tonight. Would you mind coming and look as sexy as you can?" <laughs> she started laughing. She said, "Where's the youth meeting?" And I explained to her. She said, "I'll come." I said, you're kidding. So I didn't say anything to anybody. Our group grew by 85 kids in 40 minutes. <laughs> 40 minutes. 
And they all started calling their friends, saying Farron Falls is here. And, and uh, she followed my instructions. She looked great. And um, and so all these guys started coming. And, and so I thanked her for being a hook. <laughs> you know, and you have to be careful. I understand the phrase. Be careful what you win people with, because that's what you win them to. I understand that. Okay, like if you win people to a youth group with pizzas, that might be what you're winning them to. You know, you know if you win with mm, fair Foster, <laughs> you might want to do some teaching. But um, so, but then I was invited to come to Augusta. Okay, um, and and. The guy just looked at me and said, man, anybody can do it there, but could you use your principles in an old, traditional um, church and expect God to live? It just sort of stayed in my mind, so we decided to go. First night I met for the youth group, I went to this home where they were having the youth group. There were five kids. I'd come from a youth group where there were 375 kids. High school kids. There were five. The budget. There, there was no budget. <laughs> of the five kids, two of them were brothers, and we met at their house. So you only didn't really have five. The next week, only the two brothers were there. I'd already run three off. And so then over a period of time. Discouragement, fruit, discouragement, fruit. So you begin to pick up, can your emotional stability uh, be tied just to your performance? <coughs> now, uh, just to get some words in our mind that we'll talk about later, let's, let's jump over to Philippians for a minute. A passage that y'all all know. Um, I, won't, I won't talk about Philippians as a whole. You know, um, you know, generally, the outline there is chapter 1. Uh, and I talked about Philippians when I came to a chapel. I, I do study other books of the Bible, but, uh, but I love Philippians. Okay, but, but in, in Philippians 1, you know, the, uh, the key verse is uh, uh, verse 21. Okay, as you study it. Uh, Christ is my whole life. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Christ... You know, we, we know that as we look at it. Christ is my life. Chapter 2 and verse 5, Christ is my attitude. Then we begin to see in chapter 3 that to know Christ is my goal. To know God. Christ is my goal. And then we all love the concept of Christ is my strength and contentment in chapter 4. But in chapter 3, he begins to talk about very uh, wonderfully that he's the best of the best. Paul, Paul, you know, overly simplified. Paul is bragging on his secular credentials, and they're pretty impressive. Okay, and then of course he says all of that's rubbish. But but that's easy to say when you have them. Okay, <laughs> if you don't have them, you know it's not as, it's not as easy. Like guys that have already had lots of fruit in their ministry, they can talk about numbers aren't important, but they've had numbers. <laughs> If you've had that, never had numbers, that's a harder phrase. True or false? Is that not true? Okay, and so, but we'll come back. We'll come back to that. But for in Philippians, y'all know what he says. And just to get it in our head, remember when he says, "I press on." What does that mean to you? When we get down into verses uh, twelve, when he says, "I press on," I want to say to you that there's a difference between trying. 
ministry and training for ministry? When Paul says, I press on, what does he, what is he saying to you? Like when my wife says to me, uh, I wish you would uh, clean the garage this Monday. Monday's my day off. I wish you'd clean the garage this Monday. And I say, I'll try. Or my wife says, I wish you'd be home by 6 o'clock. And I go, I'll, I'll try. Or my wife says, uh, I don't want you to ever text in the car again. I know we can talk about that. <laughs> and I'll say, I'll, I'll try. Okay, what do all those mean? It ain't going to happen. <laughs> Isn't that what it means? <laughs> like, like uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just, y'all know, I'm, I'm, I go up and down on weight and being in shape. It's a, it's, I'm a comfort eater, and, and it's amazing how fast I can gain weight. Okay? It's also amazing how much I eat in order to gain it. Yeah. But at the racetrack, there are 43 cars on the cup side, 43 cars on the nationwide side. Each one of those have cooks for the team for the weekend. So it's like 86 snack bars for me. <laughs> okay, and so the truth is, some of the teams are really healthy, but I don't go to those games. <laughs> if I wanted to be healthy, I could. Okay, some of them are real conscious of that. And then there's the guys that cook the way I want them to. Okay, and so it's 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 overwhelming. And so we have a, we have contests from time to time about getting in shape. And I love it because it's a competition. It's, it's usually involves a substantial money for me, not to those guys, but to me. Okay, and so um, they'll about every year somebody will say we ought to we ought to get back in shape. We ought to lose weight. And I I sign up right away. Okay. Uh, and I won the last three contests. Okay? Uh, the problem with that, we've talked about it. If you win one weight loss contest, you shouldn't have to be in anymore. <laughs> Does that make sense? Okay. There's a problem. They're beginning to sort of put a handicap on me now. When I know like, well, we've just started one, and, uh, and I'm... I'm thrilled about it because it's going to involve for me about $5,000, okay, which is substantial for me. They don't care, okay. Um, but I told Keith it was that it, it really is beneficial to our ministry for me to gain weight, okay? <laughs> because then I can lose it. Okay? And so she gets really fired up about it. She'll go, is there another contest? I'll go, yeah, I think so. And she'll say, really, you know, but you should you should be in shape because you want your body to be a temp. I, I know I understand all those Bible verses. Okay, but you gonna like that eight thousand dollars? That's what the purse is this time. Next time you see me, I'll look like I have an eating disorder. Okay, and my wife will have. I'm not making fun of eating disorders. Okay, but that's what I look like. Okay, and so for us, if I say I'm going to try to get in shape, <laughs> that ain't going to happen. If I say I'm going to train mentally, emotionally, socially, Luke 2.52, Jesus grew in four areas. If I'm going to train in those four ways, 
socially, spiritually, mentally. Does, what is it? Okay. Then he says what? Not that I've already obtained it. Now, in that, for me, I take such comfort in that. Paul, who y'all know, I'm not trying to teach a Bible verse here. We're just trying to get a, uh, an outline so that we can have a better uh, di- interaction, discussion back and forth on our, our second session together. Okay, but not that I've already obtained it. When you when you look at that, okay, um, um, for me, for him to say that with who he was, I think that we've got to quit looking at perfection and learn to measure our progress. Like, uh, I can remember teaching um, my son how to ride a bicycle. Those of you that have children, do that. Uh, Yates is my son's name. He, he is just in the line. He tracks me I was telling Terry last night, uh, we were at the Masters, and Yates, Yates doesn't, you know, he's, he's tall and slender, and uh, he's got the genetics of his mother and, and, and the looks and everything, and so it's a great deal for him. But he's like 6'2", and so he shows up. He looks like a, a, he looks like Kevin Costner from Tim Cup. When he gets to the Masters, he's got a, he looks like a golfer. We haven't been there 10 minutes. And this person comes up, they're taking autographs, and they said, are you famous to my son? And I, I, started, I started laughing. And, uh, you know, they look at me and go, what are you doing here? You know? Because <laughs> yeah, they obviously I don't know anything about golf. And I don't have, like, a golf outfit. I, I didn't know people got to get dressed up to go to the Okay? And so, um, and, so um, and I started laughing because Yates just recently was having uh, um dinner and lunch downtown and when he came out of the lunch meeting there was a photographer out there taking pictures and they said can we take some pictures of you and your girlfriend and uh, they said sure so they started taking pictures and stuff and as it turns out they were taking pictures of a bunch of people and some models and stuff well as it turned out Yates's picture was picked out of the group to be and he's been in all these magazines these last couple months okay he's in southern living it's like a whole page and I thought it was going to be like a little square. And so when he, when, when the magazine came to the house, we started laughing because he said, well, this sort of messes up my status on Facebook because he's with this girl. And, uh, and so um, we were laughing and he really he loves her and he was just playing. But, um, but when, when that guy said, you're famous, as they walked off, Yates, I told Yates, he should have said, uh, well, I'm not, but my girlfriend's in Southern Living. <laughs> but in, in this setting for, for us, when, he, when I was teaching him how to ride a bike, he's an extremist, my son is. How many of you would call you, say you're extremist? You're hot or cold, on or off, every, everything's wonderful, or, you, or, or everything stinks. How many are like that? Raise your hand for that one. A lot of people in youth ministry are. Raise your hand again. Okay. Okay, and, and, and my son's that way. Um, and so when he was riding a bicycle, uh, you know, he would go from tree to tree. He couldn't take off, so he would lean up against a tree. And he would push off from the tree and get going. He could ride for a while, but he couldn't stop without falling. So he'd run into the next tree and grab it. Okay? And so if he missed the tree, he'd fall over. And, I, and, and he, he quit every time. 
I can ride a bike. You know, bikes are stupid. You know, so, <laughs> you're the one running into the tree. But, uh, but you know, what would keep him going was what? I'd, I'd look at him and say, son, look, look at the progress you've made. Look, you know, look, I mean, you've come five trees. <laughs> Two cars in a mailbox. <laughs> And so we, we know that that's necessary. But my suggestion is that we end up looking at perfection and we get discouraged. We compare ourselves to someone else, forgetting our uniqueness. We forget that the real issue here is to know God and to be so on fire with Him that it impacts everything that you do. Even as shepherds, if we're not careful, we, we, we reverse the order and we turn our walk into God into one from one program to the next instead of, instead of just an ongoing experience with the Father. True or false? I, I only say that because I, I, I do it myself. So whatever the case may be, when I, you know, um, even even in that silly weight loss thing, you know, I, I know we weigh in on the scales. Um, uh, you know, they, they measure the cars. We, we all, all these guys cheat. All, it's not called cheating in NASCAR. It's called uh, looking for a creative advantage. <laughs> okay, and it's not cheating in NASCAR unless you get caught and fined for it. And even then, it might not be cheating. Just a misunderstanding. <laughs> so when you do a contest with these guys, we go and stand on the scales that, and the officials weigh us in. Okay, and the reason for that is because guys hide things on. The, you know, they they weigh more. You know, they've got things in their shoes and their pockets, and and, and so they're they're up their weight by 15, 20 pounds. Then all they got to do is change clothes, and they've lost 20 pounds. So we weigh in and. and uh, and so it's, it's always fun. But for me, I, I have to gauge myself based on the progress of the other guys. If the, if the other guys, um, it's, it's not that I can be perfect from way in to way in. But if the other guys are not losing weight, I don't have to lose as much. <laughs> but if one of them set the world on fire, you know, I have to call somebody about an amputation or something. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, about winning. <laughs> so for us, um, that goes there. And then he says what? Your verse, as you look at it, uh, would talk about uh, basically not that I've, I've, in a sense, have laid hold of it yet, that for which I've been laid hold of, that kind of thing. Who's got a, who's got a Bible in front of them? What's your Philippians 3? Read, just read 12, verses 12 down for three verses. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold for me of me. Okay. No, that's great. Take hold. Take hold of that for which you've been taken hold of. Catch what has caught you, so to speak. Okay? I mean I don't know how to say it. Okay, but but 
and in some ways gave, um, we have been caught. Can you catch it? That's a great quote um, by a guy named Howard uh, Truman. He says this, Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and then go and do that. Because what the world needs is people that have come alive. That's a great quote. Don't, don't ask yourself what your church needs. Don't ask yourself even really what your ministry needs first. Ask yourself really what makes you come alive. And then go and do that. Because what the world needs is people that have come alive. But discouragement robs us of that. I, you know, um, not to get too caught up in it, but old and simplified, we've looked at it before. That I think that anger is a result of a blocked goal. You know, um, you cuss at red lights, even though they can't hear you because they made you stop. <coughs> okay, um, I get in the line at the grocery store, I hardly ever go to the grocery store. But if I go, my wife has sent me for one particular thing or two things or three things, and then I'll grab, depending upon where I am in a in a contest to lose weight, I'll grab, you know, donuts if, uh, if you know, because it's never on her list. And so, but I always go to that ten items or less line, and there's always somebody in front of me with fourteen or fifteen items. Now I know you shouldn't count, but I'm in a hurry. Okay, you can tell there's more than ten. And typically, I'm pretty Jamaican about life. I mean, I'm pretty, I'm just pretty laid back. I don't really, you know, um, you know, I've since stepped away from the whole substance with Rastafari, but I, but I understand. <laughs> but I, but I still like that approach to things. Okay, and so in that in that setting for us, okay, it's uh, I'll get bummed out because of the person in front of me, because they blocked my goal. I'm in a hurry. Now, sadness or a lack of hope, okay, I think is typically overly simplified. There's a lot, there's a postponed goal. Depression is when you think something is unobtainable. Now, I, I know physiologically there's all there's a lot of things going on. I'm not I'm not trying to ignore that. Okay, but generally speaking, we we over medicate in our society for everything, and and sometimes. I think that we need to help people understand what's going on in their thinking. But in order for us to help people with what's going on with their thinking, we've got to be able to do introspection on ourselves. Okay, we've got to be so on fire. Okay. I I, I like uh, what God lets me do. Uh, I'm I'm better at it this week than I was last week. 
although there's a long list of warts in my life. Progress. Not that I've already obtained it. Have I do I catch in a sense what has caught me? And then you see when he says in that next verse, forgetting what lies behind. And we know that he's not promoting like spiritual amnesia. Okay? But forgetting what lies behind, I strain forward. And so overly simplified, I would just simply say um, for us that we get stuck instead of knowing how to strain forward and dream big dreams. Now, I've, I've ch- changed the order around some. I was going to do this towards the end, but I, I talked a couple of before we started, and, and uh, I know that some of you can't stay the whole time. So I didn't want to just tell stories and make quotes and all that kind of stuff without giving the, the, the basis for what we'll talk about uh, uh, biblically. If we could find these, if we could find these truths in our lives... Um, don't try to stay on fire. Train to stay on fire. Don't try um, uh, to do ministry. Train to do ministry. Quit being consumed by fear and hanging on to the handrails because you think you have to be perfect. Look at the progress. And maybe if you're not more in love with God today than you were when you started, He called you, but you never grabbed hold. And maybe we spend most of our time looking at the past. I'm I'm okay. You know, um, this guy... It happens a lot now. The reason I'm not um, teasing about it, and I mean, I say things out, I hope I haven't, I'm sure in the room this size I've already offended somebody. And one of the reasons I like Geneva is that, that <coughs> Geneva is like one of the only places that lets me come back. Okay? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that is, but, but I, I, I have a fondness for this place. Okay? And so, but. You know, in that in that whole setting, we I get calls from all over the country now to life coach people. Um, I, I got a call recently, and and it, they're they're sad. They're it's it's overwhelming. But this guy called me and said uh, he he lives in another state. He said uh, his first thing was he, he told me how he got in touch with me, and I said, oh really? I haven't seen him in a long time. And he said. Uh, they said you could help me, and I am a man of means. <laughs> so, I said, well, good for you. Um, <laughs> he said, I just want you to know that if we can get you here on a weekly basis, if you need to, I need you to help my daughter. And then he begins to scrap. 13-year-old girl that's starving herself to death. Weighs 62 pounds. 
been to all sorts of rehab centers, all sorts of places. You know, another guy called me and said his father had been depressed for 10 years. And I said, gosh. He said he sees a psychiatrist twice a week. I said, man, that psychiatrist made a career out of your day. I said, I don't know the psychiatrist. I'm just telling you, if you've seen somebody twice a week, you're trying instead of training. If you've seen somebody that long and you haven't come out of it, I'm telling you, you're seeing the wrong person. I'm not saying you need to see me. So this guy flew into town. In nine and a half months, his life is totally different. Now I want to tell you, it's because of biblical principles that you take for granted every day. And so we let ourselves get frightened by the obstacle instead of excited by the Father. Okay, we, we, we look at the, uh, at the task instead of the Master. And, and what makes us do that is overly simplified something to do with these four areas. Okay, and so... Uh, the past is a terrible place. This guy, when I first met with him and when I met uh, with this young girl, she's still delightful. And, uh, and, and it's the same thing. I, I go into my wife and I said, Honey, these people have called my wife because she is used by God to help me keep balance. She said, You know, uh, you, you can't add anything to your life. She said, You're, I said, You're absolutely right. I can't go. She said, I didn't say you couldn't go. I said, If you believe God has asked you to do it, that's fine, but what is God asking you to drop? Oh, uh, our date day? <laughs> that didn't work too well. <laughs> okay, and so um, I uh, flew down and, and I met with this family and, and uh, this young girl. She, she's just beautiful, sweet, spirit, gentle, and stuck. her counselors and the counselor for that man spend the majority of their time trying to figure out how the past is impacting the future. That's not bad. You just don't want to spend the majority of your time there. But we do it to ourselves. So doesn't it make sense that it works its way into our ministry? 